If your GM hands you a sheet of graph paper and you ask what's it for, then you might be playing it wrong. And by the way, the scale is 10 feet per square. Hello listeners, welcome to episode 9, season 2 of Playing It Wrong, and we've got a full episode this time. I know the last few have been short, but this one, I hope we will make up for it. We're gonna, it's going to be a little longer. It's March and the weather is crazy here in Texas. You know, we had a week of 80-40-80-40, and it was not fun. <clears throat> and next week it's not going to be fun either. And as you're listening to this, there may be reports of snow down here, which is very odd and even odder in March. And speaking of March, yeah, remember when I said I'd get that Patreon done in February? Well, it did not get done, because I want to do it right rather than do it fast. And I got a bunch of research done today, and I'm probably going to reach out to a few other folks and put the feelers out to get some more feedback on what they've done, how they've done it, and how they've done it successfully, or things that they've done that they wish they hadn't. But hey, it will be coming up, it'll be coming up in March, and if I can't do it in March, it means, well, I'm not ready to do it at all. And our live studio audience of two dogs is, well, one's laying there, one's sitting there. I'm not sure what he's doing, but he's sitting there for some reason, looking at me with those big brown puppy eyes. All right, what is up in this episode? Well, I'm going to talk about bad or annoying players and DMs, and I'm going to finish up off on the reading of Volume 1, Men and Magic from the Little Brown Books. We're going to finish that one up. And a big chunk of this is going to come from a really good question from Joe the Lawyer. You may know him, and, well, you may not. And if you don't know him, listen to his podcast, because he's a really cool guy. But anyway, here's Joe. Hey, buddy. Joe the Lawyer here. Just wanted to touch base. I was listening to your podcast while you were ranting. It's funny. You're running an Albert Lord game, but you're using BX Essentials. So <laughs> my first thought was, well, isn't that a BX Essentials game? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I'm curious. I don't, I've never been an expert on the BX or the Labyrinth Lord stuff. I'm always, uh, I don't like the whole racist racist class thing, so um, I believe those gravitated toward AD&D or uh, Hyperborea and stuff like that, but what do you see are the differences, the main differences between Labyrinth Lord and BX or BX Essentials, which are really the same thing. See, didn't change anything. He just clarified and made it clearer in some cases, but he cloned, you know, it's not a clone, it's actually a restatement, a reorganization of BX with the BX Essentials. So what do you see as the main differences um, in play or otherwise? Did you do a comparison? Just curious. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you very much, Joe. Oh, this is going to be a long answer, but hopefully it's going to be a good one. As that little blurb says on my blog, I ain't no academic, I ain't no scholar, I ain't that bright, I ain't that pretty, I'm just a guy rolling dice and having fun. So, you're not going to get any sort of in-depth analysis about the specific differences between the two, but some general differences and a little bit of my philosophy. Let's start this ball of wax off by talking about Labyrinth Lord a little bit. Labyrinth Lord, in a way, is a story of two games. First, there's Labyrinth Lord, which is basically a BX clone. Okay, it's So, it fits fine with BX Essentials. It's pretty much the same. And there's also the Advanced Edition Companion, which takes a lot of the stuff from Advanced, more spells, more monsters, more classes, more races, drops races class, and kind of keeps the same rules. A lot of the stuff from AD&D, but, a lot, but the same basic rules as basic, even though that was a very poorly worded sentence, and I'm sorry. So to expand on that initial thought is, Regular Labyrinth Lord is like BX. You have your racist class, your 
human, fighter, thief, cleric classes, your elf, dwarf, and halfling classes, your basic spells, your basic monsters, your basic magic items. The Advanced Edition Companion brings in, it diver diverts from races class, I should say, at first, but it's you can still use it as an option if you want to. Advanced Labyrinth Lord added in the half-orc, half-elf, and gnome, if you really want gnomes. Um, <coughs> then for classes, it adds in the paladin, the ranger, the assassin, the druid, the monk, and the illusionist. Hopefully I haven't forgotten anything because I'm doing this from memory because my book is still in my bag. I only take out my BX books. Now, also, the Advanced Edition Companion adds in more spells that you would be see from Advanced. I think they also pulled some from Old Dragon magazines. Then we're in the basic sets from back in the day. Plus, of course, they had to add extra spells for the Druid, and they have a whole spell list for the Illusionist. And, of course, as I said before, expanded more on the monsters. So, I backed the recent Kickstarter, and I have my combined volume with a nice fancy Orcus cover. Yes, I went with the Orcus cover just because, well, Orcus. Now I'm going to talk about BX Essentials a bit. And I will admit, I was on the fence about why should I even get this? I already got all the stuff. I mean, all the stuff that's in these books, I have in different books. So it's like, why bother? And I watched and read about every review I could find. And there's one thing I found pretty much consistent in all the reviews. They make great reference material. So instead of using a full-sized you know, book book, I've got three little digest-sized books to use as reference. Now, I've gotten all of the PDFs of all of them, but so far I've only gotten the uh, hard copies of the Cleric and Magic User spells, the Adventures and Treasures, and the Monsters. <coughs> and I should say this right now, that this is nothing against Necrotic Gnome or Gavin Norman, because I'm using these not necessarily to as they are just to run a game, but for reference in a game I'm already running, even though I have a little plan in my little thick skull of Next campaign will probably be just BX with a few little extras of my own thrown in there to make things interesting. Now, I have not done a breakdown or a comparison, monster by monster, spell by spell, magic item by magic item, of if there are any differences between the two. Because I'm going with the philosophy is that it's close enough, and if a spell is different in one than the other, it's just the chaos of magic. Get over it. I just use them for reference. So it's much easier to dig out the small digest size book and have this handy on the table because table space is kind of limited because you got your dice, your notes, the dungeon, scratch paper to keep track of hit points and all their stuff in front of you. So a small digest size book is better than the full size book. Now that being said, I do know that one, there are monsters that are in Advanced Labyrinth Lord that aren't in BX Essentials. So just dig that out. And also, maybe I'm missing it somewhere, but they don't have the XP. Oh yeah, they do. They have the XP listed. Never mind. <coughs> I can't read. I'm sorry, but uh, like I said, the monster book. So I've, I haven't done a comparison exactly if there's a difference between what an orc does in BX Essentials, or what an orc does in Advanced Labyrinth Lord, because it's close enough. I've, you know, <coughs> I haven't broken down each spell, even though it's only magic user and cleric spells, and not all the spells that are in the book the major ones are there. 
Now, the Adventures in Treasure is mostly magic items and dungeon hordes, which I kind of like these charts better than the ones that are in there, especially for magic items, because I just did a dungeon for the party, which they haven't gone to yet, but I used the charts for the treasure hordes and magic items <coughs> from BX Essentials. Also, I've been using the Wandering Monster charts, which I know are different, because I know they're just, I just easier to have a small book here rather than the big one. Yes, it means some monsters don't show up as Wandering Monster encounters, but then again, I'm sure my players will be thankful that, well, I'm not using all the nasty things I can throw at them, but I'm doing it in dungeons I'm making. And, you know, I admit sometimes I will make encounters that aren't wandering monsters, that just look like wandering monsters, that just might be interesting or fun. So, running the Labyrinth Lord over, say, BX, in a way, harkens back to my own beginnings, and I kind of mirror what uh, Daniel Proctor of uh, Labyrinth Lord fame uh, said about when, it, when creating the Advanced Edition Companion. Because I remember when I started off and getting my little... I actually started with the Holmes basic set, okay? Holmes. And then kind of then got <laughs> Supplement 1 Greyhawk, which I originally thought was Supplement to Holmes, and try to... Okay, rules aren't that clear, but we'll house rule it in. And then we got Advanced D&D. &D. And basically, we still played with the same rules. We just added in the extra classes and spells and didn't didn't mess with a lot of the, the Gary Gax what-the-fuck-isms to quote Joe the Lawyer. And this is why you should read, listen to his podcast because of the Gary Gygax what-the-fuck-isms. With that being said, it, it, it kind of hits my sweet spot of nostalgia of, well, kind of doing things my own way and, yeah, a little bit not the way they were written, but eh, the way I think is fun, so. That's also part of the title of this podcast, too. Playing it wrong, because, hey, no matter what you do, somebody out there is going to say, you're playing it wrong. Now, I do want to do this little aside right now, because of the the last session we played, which was two weeks ago, because we're doing every other week, mixing it up with the 5e game. And one of the players said, you know, I like this a lot better than the 5e stuff, because... It moves a lot quicker and it's a lot simpler. We don't have to worry about like feats and weird powers and everything else. We've got things that make the characters unique, but not that. And of course, you know, when, when I first like, uh, hello puppy, hello puppy, a dog's trying to get my attention, that I proposed to the group of let's do an old school game. One of them did say, oh, you mean like third edition? No, no, not like third edition. We're talking like original, first, or or basic. And we're leaning more towards this hybrid of basic and advanced, and which is kind of what you know the whole Labyrinth Lord package is, is kind of a hybrid between basic and advanced. And I would say this: if you're looking into Labyrinth Lord, pick up that class compendium by Barrel Rider Games. We're using that too for some classes. That's why, just to refresh your memory, our party consists of a ranger from the Advanced La Labyrinth Lord, a bard that's a homebrew. Check out on my blog. They might be gazebos.blog. And from the class compendium, we have two dragons. And I think next session, there's probably going to be some deaths. We've had one dragon die already, but they paid a lot, traded in every bit of treasure they got to get him brought back. Yeah, I'm kind of nice, but it's about to get ugly because they're hitting in the caves of chaos. Yes, right in Keep on the Borderlands. So there you go, Joe. I hope I answered your question and Hopefully, I might have helped some other folks, too. So, what can I say? No matter what old-school game you're playing, 
pick up BX Essentials. Handy reference. <coughs> the only thing that makes it a little difficult if you're doing swords and wizardry or basic fantasy is the monsters have descending armor class. But hey, if you're the DM, you can do the math in your head, because that's part of your job. Alright, on to the main topic of this episode, which I mentioned very early on. Bad or annoying players and GMs, because this is a dead horse that's been... It's been in every medium that has come across role-playing, from the early zines, dragon, polyhedron, message boards, blogs, YouTube channels, podcasts, multiple times, what to do about a bad player or a bad DM, which is going to be at the end of my rant. But there's my starting rant is with this, and is... Everybody says bad, I want to say more like annoying, which may be politer, but generally people say bad. And what I've found in my experience is if someone is a bad or annoying player, they are also a bad and annoying DM. And they're bad and annoying in the same ways. Now, <coughs> we've got our generals. Hello, puppy. Hello, hello. No, you, you're not a 50-pound lap puppy. No, you're not. No, you're not. And this is what happens when I do this live stream of consciousness, live audience of puppies happening. You're getting to experience this right along with me, trying to talk. I have a dog on my lap. It's 50 pounds in an office chair. It's not fun. Please. And if the microphone goes clunk clunk, it means she pulled it off my head. Anyway, <coughs> these people generally are bad in the same ways. We all know you have your rules lawyer who will parse the rules as a player to their advantage. As a DM, they will parse the rules to your disadvantage and expect you to, well, be parsing them back to your own advantage. The one, the, the storyteller who comes up with a 10-page character background that probably has nothing to do with the campaign background, they just wanted to be a, well, very special snowflake, well, they'll have very special snowflakes in their world, and they'll have their special story, and they might be railroady about it. Trust me, my worst railroading ever was, oh, come on, Little girl. Oh, go yes, I know you're there. There's not room enough in this chair for both of us, Chill. Yes, her name is Chill. My wife named her. And it turned out to be an ironic name. <coughs> half boxer, half corgi. 50 pounds of muscle and energy. Anyway, as I was saying, <laughs> the storyteller GM with... Oh, my worst railroading story ever. My, uh, my worst railroad... I was playing a paladin. We were first level. The first thing we end up is in this lake of lava in this magical boat and recover this magical sword, which while we're in the middle of this lake is basically the prison for an evil god. Who tells the paladin, worship me? And the paladin says, no. The first step I did was I'm just throwing the sword back into the lake lava. And the DM's like, okay, try. You miss. I'm on a boat in the middle of the lake and I miss the lake? What the fuck? I try this three times. Then I try, okay, screw it. We're just going to turn the boat over and go down with the sword. That doesn't work. Well, eventually we finally get on shore. And we get the ultimatum of follow evil god or die. Well, I'm a freaking paladin. So I basically said, nuts. So he's like, well, your character's going to die. Well, yeah, 
but aren't you going to follow the evil god? No, we're not going to... I'm a paladin. I'm not going to follow the evil god just to save my skin. No. And, well, the campaign ended shortly after that. But, <coughs> going on. Let's see. I also did the storyteller. I've done the rules lawyer. Um, I did... I'm going to call this next one the... Hmm, nepotism guy. Which is basically... If they're running the game, their friends have much better characters. How close a friend or perhaps romantic friend you may be depends on how much treasure and how much stuff you get. And as a player, they will favor other players over other players just because of their personal involvements and not be that. Anyway, thanks to the dog, I've totally lost my train of thought. But hopefully I'm going to get back onto it. Yeah. I've given you examples of, you know, the, 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 the major waffle heads, we'll call them. And what do you do? Okay. Every response has been the same. You talk to them. Okay. So now we get down to a little more different. Now you've got the people who inadvertently do it, who don't want to do it, but do it anyway, and a talking to might help them, and the people who are totally oblivious. And to be honest, the only advice I can give is leave or make them go away. It's sad, but that's the way it's got to work. I've been the person who's left. I've been the person who's had to discuss with the player of maybe you should go play someplace else. And it's not fun. And it's not a good time, but it's one of those ugly things that, you know, you got to do. And it's what happens at your table and how you feel at your table. I mean, no matter if you've done this long enough, there's going to be some time where you were uncomfortable. And it doesn't matter what gender you are, what race you are. If you've been around long enough, there are people who make you uncomfortable that you don't want to be around. And I know this goes beyond just the way that people play the game. Because I found another bit of wisdom is that if somebody's really an asshole in the game, they're probably really an asshole in real life. So you don't have time for that shit. You know, take your time, roll dice, have fun. And that's what it's all about. And that is my rant on this episode. And we are now going to be moving on to the reading from the Little Brown Books. And we are finishing up Volume 1, Men and Magic, this week. We've been going over cleric spells the last few weeks. And we're going to finish them up this week with the 5th level spells. Alright, Little Brown Books, Original D&D, Men and Magic. And we're about ready to finish up Volume 1. So, 5th level spells. We've got Dispel Evil. So learn to Dispel Magic. Dispel any sending or spell within a 3-inch or 30-foot radius. Functions immediately. Duration, one turn. Eh. Raise dead. Points his fingers, utters indication, and the dead person is raised. This works on men, elves, and dwarves only. For each level of cleric has progressed beyond 8th, the time limit of resurrection extends up another 4 days. <coughs> All right. Naturally, if the character's constitution was weak, the spell will not bring him back to life. In any event, raised characters must spend two game weeks' time recuperating from the ordeal. It doesn't even cost any money. Just boop, you're up. Commune. 
Well, you talk to the gods. Ask three questions. Uh, is allowed once a week. And the veracity and knowledge should be near total. Once per year, special communion should be allowed wherein the cleric can ask double the number of questions. What are you doing, little girl? <coughs> what you doing? It is not easy trying to do this on the edge of an office chair. And somebody wants pettins. Alright, quest. Yeah, you send him on a quest. This is similar to Gaze, except the character must sent on a quest by the cleric is not killed by failure to carry out the service. However, the cleric may curse him with whatever he desires for failure, and the referee should decide if such a curse will take effect if the character ignores the quest, basing the effectiveness on of the curse on the phrasing of it and the alignment and the actions of the character so cursed. Insect plague. Well, it's that's plague of insects. Uh, drive creatures less than three. Hit dies off in route. There you can see the war game uh, origins of D&D. The dimensions of the insect plague is 36 square inches. That's only six by six, guys. Duration, a day. So yeah, that's a definitely um, denial of area. Area control, great food. So yeah, a six level spell to create food. Which is interesting because by this time they should have enough money to buy food anyway. But hey, who knows? They could run out. Note that anti-clerics listed below have similar powers to... Oh, wait, I skipped thing. So, yeah, you, you create food for a party of a dozen for one game day. Then we go on to the note about anti-clerics. Sorry, I skipped ahead. Anti-clerics listed below who have similar powers to clerics. Those cleric spells underlined on the table of the cleric spells have reverse effects. All others fiction functioning as noted. The chief exception is the raised dead spell becomes the finger of death. Pull my finger. And, well, it just kills somebody. Um, fail or die. Range is 12 inches. A cleric type, a, a cleric may use this, but if it's um, misused, you become an anti-cleric. And if you get a cleric and an anti-cleric uh, together, you can power the enterprise. Um, anti-clerics, evil acolyte, evil adept, shaman, evil priest, evil curate, evil bishop, evil lama, evil high priest. Then we're going on, we're skipping from cleric spells into magical research. So, hey, well, we got magical research here. Both magic users and clerics may attempt to expand on the spells listed as applicable by class, so they can make new spells. This is a matter of time and investment. Lots of investment. Uh, the level of magic is required to operate the spell determined by the referee dictates the initial investment. A first level spell is 2,000 gold pieces. Then 4, 8, 16, 32, and 64,000 for a 6 level spell. You see the geometric progression there. The time required is 1 week per spell level. For every amount equal to the basic, there's a 20% chance of success. So... If you wanted a 100% chance of doing a, we'll say, a 5th level spell, because it's easier to do that, so that would be 5 times 32, which would be... one hundred sixty thousand or so gold pieces? Alright, my math may be bad, but who knows. <coughs> Uh, 
Or I could use the thing that's right here, example in the book of 10,000 gold pieces for 100% chance to do a first level spell. And now I'm going to be embarrassed by my poor math skills. Alright, the level of spell research may be consistent with uh, blah blah blah. Once a new spell is created, the researcher may include a list of appropriate spells. He may inform others of it, thus enabling them to utilize it, or he may keep it to himself. Who knows? Spread the word. And next, the last part. Now, I did a whole blog post uh, on this a little while ago. And that is, characters who employ spells are assumed to acquire books containing spells they can use. One book for each level. If a duplicate set of books is desired, the cost will be the same as the initial investment for research, as listed above. 248. Loss of these books required to replace at the, at the, 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 at the expense above. Bleh. But that's a very interesting thing there. Cleric's doing magical research, and also, it says, it doesn't say magic users in spell books. It says characters who employ spells. So that means clerics have spell books. Very interesting. And of course, we're going to go to the last page because something you don't see. It is the order form. Other fantasy releases by TSR. War of Wizards, game of fantastic duels between mighty magic users. A new box set version including game booklets, playing board, percentile dice, and a set of four miniature figurines used as playing pieces. Chainmail, we all heard about that. Dungeons and Dragons Collector's Edition, the original game of Wizards and of Swords and Wiz <laughs> Swords and Sorcery. I'm sorry. It's been a long day. Um, the basic set. Character record sheet pad. Greyhawk Supplement 1, Swords and Spells, which is basically um, Chainmail kind of revisited. Eldritch Wizardry, Gods, Demigods, and Heroes, Dungeon Geomorphs, Outdoor Geomorphs, Dungeon the Board Game, Empire of the Petal Throne, Star Probe, Star Empires, Metamorphosis Alpha, Alpha bleh, Lankmar, wow, the original part of Lankmar for the box set, was ten dollars. Multi-sided dice. The set contains one twenty, twelve, eight, six, and four-sided dice for a dollar forty-nine. Percentile dice, as in two d twenties, eighty-nine cents. Add one dollar postage and handling, regardless of order size. That's right, one dollar postage. I, I want to look back at some of these prices, especially like basic set nine ninety-five. Um, character record sheets, two ninety eight. Greyhawk, five dollars. Eldritch Wizardry, five dollars. Gods, demigods, and heroes, five dollars. Dungeon Diomorphs, each set was two forty nine each. The dungeon game was nine ninety five. And the most expensive thing on the list is Empire of the Petal Throne at twenty seven fifty. Like more at ten bucks, I can. And then The Dragon, the only professional magazine of fantasy, swords and sorcery, and science fiction gaming. Formerly the Strategic Review. Uh, published eight times a year. Available at better hobby shops and bookstores. Anywhere from TSR Hobbies. Single issue is $1.50. Six issues, $9. Including Hawaii. Overseas AML, $20. Complete game complete catalog, $2. <coughs> Excuse me, $2. My voice is going, so I need to bring this episode to a close. And speaking of close, that brings to a close Volume 1, Men and Magic, folks. 
All right, so we're going to wrap up this episode. It's been longer than normal, but hey, it's been a fun one. So what can you do? You can visit the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. You can find us on Facebook at theymightbegazebos. And remember, the blog URL is the letter B, not B-E, because I was an idiot. Links are in the description and shit. Um, and hey, follow us on Facebook, visit the blog, see everything else. Until next week, roll dice, have fun, kill monsters, take their stuff, and level up. All right, have fun, folks. Thanks for listening.